Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 19th of January. In breaking news this morning, a 32-year-old man has been charged with murder in relation to the ongoing investigation into the disappearance of a nine-year-old girl in the Blue Mountains west of Sydney. The little girl was reported missing last week and sparked a major search of rugged bushland. The 32-year-old has been refused bail and is set to face court later today. In other news this morning, Australia has recorded its deadliest day of the COVID pandemic, with 77 lives lost to COVID in just one day. New South Wales yesterday recorded 36 COVID deaths, 22 people died from COVID in Victoria, 16 in Queensland, two in South Australia and one in the ACT. It comes as concerns grow over the nation's health and aged care systems that have been crippled by the COVID crisis. Dr Omar Korshid, President of the AMA, says the let it rip idea has been a disaster. Our public hospital system is really struggling and that government's made the wrong decisions in letting COVID uh, rip through our community rather than trying to slow it spread a little bit and help our health system to cope. Meantime, in an unprecedented move to avert the hospital system collapsing in Victoria, the state government has declared a code brown. Leave is being postponed for thousands of medical staff, with key workers diverted to high-risk settings in a bid to cope with skyrocketing COVID cases. Emergency doctor Stephen Parnas has told Channel 10 it will make a huge difference. It will improve our capacity. Uh, it will redeploy uh, that most precious of resources, which is staff, and I think it will uh, help uh, the wider community understand that we have to prioritise as we go through the worst aspects of this wave. Meantime, pressure is mounting on the Victorian government to backflip on its controversial decision to postpone IVF services in the state. Patients who were set to start new IVF treatment cycles this month will now have to wait until mid-April after all non-urgent elective surgery was delayed. The sudden move sparking outrage online, including this emotional plea from Melanie, who has had her IVF treatments cancelled and is heartbroken. This is something we are doing... As our only opportunity to have a child, we have tried everything else. Trust me, this is something that is a necessity and you are taking it away from us. The federal government is pleading with key unions to hold off on industrial action amid the ongoing COVID crisis. Unions are calling for employers to provide staff with free rapid antigen tests, better masks and improved conditions to ensure workplaces are safe. But the federal treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, is standing firm. Such drastic action uh, and intimidation and threats uh, has no place in the middle of a pandemic. It would be exactly the wrong thing at the wrong time. Overseas now and Tongan authorities have spoken for the first time in the wake of the weekend's deadly volcanic eruption and tsunami. They've called the blast an unprecedented disaster, with the death toll now rising to three. At this stage, it's not known exactly how many people have been injured or the extent of the damage. Residents are being urged to try and drink bottled water with local supply affected by volcanic ash. 
Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. To Queensland first and tough new measures have been put in place to try and help the under-pressure hospital system cope with a dramatic increase in COVID cases. Our reporter Mel Blomley has the details from Brisbane. Good morning. The Sunshine State recorded its deadliest day of the pandemic so far yesterday, recording 16 deaths as well as 15,962 new infections. It was announced yesterday general ward patients were only allowed two visitors, with one allowed in ED in a bid to fight congestion. While a tent has been set up in a car park for patients waiting for treatment at Gold Coast University Hospital. 819 people across the state are in hospital, 50 of those in ICU and 18 on ventilators. The Chief Health Officer says the peak of the Omicron wave is expected at the end of this month. And two Victoria and school students could be asked to take two rapid COVID tests every week when school returns in a bid to keep COVID out of classrooms. It's part of a plan being devised by the Victorian and New South Wales governments. But as James Lake reports from Melbourne, there's now debate about whether Victorian students should be returning to classrooms so soon. Now, that is the big question at the moment, Tash, with Queensland already the first state to delay the beginning of Term 1. It comes despite Victorian students already missing a record amount of face-to-face learning in the past two years. COVID modelling does predict Omicron cases will peak around early February, just as classes are resuming for the year. But infectious disease experts say we would be better off just ripping off the Band-Aid and getting kids back into schools with surveillance testing like these rapid tests because the benefits of socialising and education are far outweighing the risk to the students' health. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at CanStar. Effie, good morning. Certainly not good news for our local economy with the lowest consumer confidence in January in 30 years. Yeah, look, consumer confidence is all about us getting to spend, so it's an important indicator. But, you know, as we know, as, as Omicron continues to spread across Australia and then there's the pressure of this supply chain shortage, that's rattling us where it hits most. And, and that's, you know, empty supermarket shelves. When we see that, obviously our confidence is going to take a hit. So the ANZ Roy Morgan, Roy Morgan, sorry, Consumer Confidence Survey actually decreased during the second week of January and it was down 8.1 points to 97.9. Now, typically January is a good month. So this is a concern. It is weakest that it's seen since 1992. And separate ANZ data also showed that retail spending is down. Um, it fell about 27% in the first half of January compared to the first half of December. Now, while all this may sound doom and gloom, it's really important to remember how quick things can turn around. So remember, prior to Christmas, we were fresh out of lockdowns. You know, we, we actually did splurge. There's a huge amount of pent-up demand and excess savings that we've got. So hopefully this will kick in uh, and we'll spend again, uh, I guess, once this Omicron wave subsides. And clearly, some of us are spending tasks. I mean, have a look at what happened with JB Hi-Fi yesterday. They did report better than expected first-half trading results. Company sales and profits only fell slightly. And uh, the share price added about 6.9% to finish at 49.84. Look, it's important data's coming out this week, and that can shed more light. We've got the job numbers coming out, and then those crucial inflation data for the December quarter is due January 25th, uh, just before the RBA meets for its cash rate decision. 
Fingers and toes crossed, things improve very quickly, Effie. And credit card providers are now offering 0% for up to 36 months to transfer your debt, but the devil's always in the detail. Are these really a good idea? Yeah, look, 36 months interest-free. It's, uh, it's a good headline, right, isn't it? And it's this time of year that these deals do come out. And, you know, they're designed supposedly to help us wipe away any Christmas card debt that still may be lingering. And remember, we did spend up big just before Christmas. So people do have quite a bit of a debt, I guess, that they want to get rid of. Now, these cards are typically typically called balance transfer cards. And as you say, it's 0% for you to transfer your debt over. And right now, the, the longest I could find was 36 months. And the catch, of course, as you say again, is the devil in the detail. It's the fees. What do fees apply? And more importantly, also, what is the interest rate it reverts to if you don't pay it off interest-free period. And I'll give you an example. HSBC's got a premium card. It's offering one of those long ones, 36 months interest-free, but it does have an annual fee of $29 in the first year, and then that jumps up to $129 in the second year. If you don't pay it off, the revert rate is over 21%. So look, it's important if these cards appeal to you, work out our repayment schedule, see how much you need to pay each month to get rid of it during that interest-free period. Great advice as always, Effie. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. Brett, good morning. A wild night at the Aussie Open last night as Nick Kyrgios, he's always entertaining, isn't he? Pumped up the crowd with a straight sets win. Yes, it was a straight sets win, but it was certainly wildly entertaining on John Kane Arena, which we could almost rename Nick Kyrgios Court because he loves playing on that court, prefers it over... Uh, Rod Laver Arena, which is Centre Court or even uh, Margaret Court Arena, playing a, a British qualifier last night. And uh, I feel sorry for him because yeah, he walked into an absolute ambush. The crowd was booing him, sledging him. It was all happening there. And, and Nick Kyrgios, we hadn't played since September last year, uh, just came off a recent bout of COVID, he says, is still troubling him. But certainly his serve found its radar. 21 aces, one in straight sets, even uh, had time to sip a beer after the win. Alex Diminor, a little bit tougher for him. He got through in four sets. Alexi Popper knocked out in five. Storm Sanders looked like she was on the verge of an upset against Irina Sabalenka, but uh, unfortunately lost. Maddie Inglis, though, the big story uh, yesterday. Um, Big upset, Leila Fernandez, who made the final of the US Open last year. Uh, She managed to upset her and get into the second round along with Sam Stoza playing her last Australian Open in the singles draw. Yeah, sensational performance from Sam Stoza. Talking about tennis, Brett, Tennis Australia's board's been very, very quiet over the last couple of days, but they've finally responded to the Novak Djokovic saga. Yeah, it's been 48 hours um, since you know Djokovic was deported and, uh, and sent back home uh, to Serbia, and certainly the silence has been deafening given that the Australian Open is now into day two. Um, finally, they have responded uh, via a statement from the Tennis Australia board. They've admitted that this has been a distraction. Weirdly, they don't actually mention the name Novak Djokovic in there, but obviously they say recent events, which we assume mean Djokovic, have been a distraction. They're going to review this at the end of the tournament. So not a surprise that they're not going to take any strong action now, but certainly they've uh, acknowledged that there are some lessons to have been learned from uh, everything that's happened over the past few months. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned. And Ricky Ponting has gone into bat for Aussie coach Justin Langer, who's under increasing pressure. Yeah, he is. And uh, weirdly, he's under pressure because we've just won the Ashes. We've won the T20 World Cup for the first time 
still without a contract. And Ricky says that he couldn't have done any more. And really, Cricket Australia has no other choice than to offer his former teammate a, a contract. And uh, Ricky has warned against players having too much of a say. We read that um, yeah, they haven't really kind of endorsed him behind the scenes to continue on as coach. He changed his coaching methods. We'll wait and see what happens there. In the BBL, the Hurricanes locking in their spot in the finals last night with a final over-thrilling win against the Renegades, who um, had a big knock from Aaron Finch but couldn't get it done. So the Hurricanes go through to the BBL finals. Brett, thank you. Another massive day in sport. Thanks, Tash. And a new study has found face masks can make you more attractive. The study out of the UK saw 43 women rate the attractiveness of 40 male faces with and without different types of masks. It found blue surgical masks are said to be the most appealing, with suggestions that may be because we subconsciously associate them with life-saving Healthcare workers, there's a positive angle for you this morning. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda. In your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning, you can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day. And we look forward to seeing you bright and early tomorrow. Listener.